You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. It's time for the Geeks Pub. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen. Hello, David. Holiday greetings. Holidays upon us. So, yeah, it's the um, start of, I guess you'd say, the start of the Christmas week. Christmas, as we record this, 2022, or 2021, is uh, less than a week away. It's yep, Sunday, and Saturday. it's next Saturday. So, uh, mm-hmm. I've got almost everything done when it comes to gift shopping and all that stuff. And Julie has... Uh, Endeavor to decorate the inside and outside of the house to extraordinary measures. So my hat's <laughs> off to her. And I am on vacation until the Tuesday after Christmas. So Wow. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, I've got nine more days or eight more days of, of holiday left. Now, is, is the dealership open and you've just taken vacation or yes. um, have they let everyone go right? No, okay. it's, uh, it's open and... and uh, it's um there's a two guys there that this is their week to try to catch me and if if they can catch me this week one of them will get salesman of the year right do you think that's likely yeah i don't care either way well no i'm just i'll get a little bonus which is nice but yeah i mean Mm -hmm. it's not it's such a ab it doesn't matter because I, i it's not like i did a better job of selling than anybody else it's who gets their cars delivered from Toyota that we've got a pre-order for. Yeah. You know, if you just went by how many deposits you've collected, I would win. Yeah. <laughs> because I think I gave you the number, didn't I? You did, yeah. Yeah, it's it's higher now. <laughs> and I've delivered some since that point. It's like $1.35 million at this point. So just waiting for cars. I don't know that I'm sure this is unrelated, but I did have a dream last night where I was, for some reason, I was um, talking to a, a couple who had a Prius and they were going, oh, this Prius, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's three years old, it's got 60,000 miles on it, we need to change it out. And I'm going, 60,000 miles, that's barely run in. Right. Um, yeah, I said, said my, my brother has a Prius, uh, and it, certainly in the dream, he had 285,000 miles on it. I don't think he actually has that much on it. But I said, but it's it's one of the original ones, and it still goes strong. And, and in the dream, across the road from where we were talking was a Toyota dealership. And so I pointed over, I said, and not only that, I said, at the moment, you can't get chips. And my friend Tim, who works in a Toyota dealership, will tell you, you look over there, all of those cars sat in the showroom are ones that, somebody else ordered and didn't want i said if you want your car with your color and your specification on it you're looking at 18 months to two years delivery and they're you, going oh really <laughs> you have you have very boring dreams david <laughs> this is really weird um and uh yeah it's one of those ones you wake up and and for a minute you think did that really happen <laughs> well you know this close to christmas as you know 50 somethings like we are isn't as exciting as it was for us 40 years ago no 35 years ago when we were children and teenagers yeah you know when you're that age you dream that last week at least you know for those who celebrate christmas uh of what you're gonna get well of course yeah the thing the different the principal difference is your buying power as a kid is extremely limited so you're you're constantly advertise things at you and you can't buy any of them you just have to wait for somebody to give them to you absolutely so so the tantalizing prospect of what you might get uh and uh whether it's the thing you really want or uh and let's face it quite often we got things we didn't ask for and didn't really want until we got them and then we found they were awesome oh yeah i've Um, got a couple on this list because as we discussed uh, on the last episode of Geeks Pub, we were going to do our favorite toys growing up. And for me, yeah. most of my favorite toys, except with the exception of the very first one here, um, I got as a Christmas present. And mm-hmm. the very first thing I remember owning, it was mine. Um, a little bit of a backstory to it. Um, and I think I've mentioned on this show uh, once or twice that um, I didn't live with my mother until I was four and a half years old uh i didn't know she was my mother my first language was cherokee not english 
mm-hmm. even though I'm not Indian. That's a whole different story. Um, I'm not Native American. So when I went to live with her, it was kind of a surprise. And they had picked out a couple toys. I, I don't remember if I brought toys or if I had very many toys. It was a, it was a childhood. Let me just put it that way. But what they got me, when I got there, was a Mego Batman set. Now, did they have Mego over in the UK? I don't recognize the name. And I don't recognize the toy. So, um, I would say probably not. They were... Um, they had the Marvel and the DC license, and they made, like, 8-inch figures, posable figures with real cloth outfits and masks and yeah. vinyl gloves. And, of course, it was based on the Batcave, is what I got, was based on the 60s Batman TV series. Yeah, and they, the, yeah. This, I, I don't I don't remember don't, seeing anything like this. Yep. No. So I, I had a Batman and Robin, the Batmobile, but I had the Batcave, which was cheap cardboard wrapped in cheap vinyl, printed vinyl, that as you unfolded it and kind of set it up, it was, it was the Batcave. And we will leave um, links to these things in the show notes for uh, this episode of Geeks Pub. Just go to MyMac.com or TheGeeksPub.com and you can find the links to these things that we're going to talk about. And um, this, I, I remember I loved this thing. It was awesome. I, I can still smell the cheap vinyl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was also the very first time I ever cursed because of this toy. Explain. I, and I take it we're not, we're not going, <coughs> holy crackers, Batman. No. <laughs> I remember playing with it. And they had a dog. We had a dog named Winky. And uh, Winky came over and peed on the Batman, on the Batcave. <laughs> and I went, oh, you fucking dog, or something like that. Yeah. So I had to eat soap, a bar of soap, mm. which I can still taste to this day. Yeah, I've, I've always been dubious about that as a punishment. I don't know. It was pretty effective. I don't curse yeah. at all anymore. Yeah, I know. Oh, wait. Yeah, but but what did... <laughs> What did the soap soap do to you? Particularly soap from that time. <laughs> uh, well, I was like five, so I probably just cried and yeah, I know, but drooled but all the, over myself. But the soap, um, the chemicals in the soap probably weren't very good for a developing mind. No, probably not. Which is you know <laughs> why I sell cars and podcasts now instead of being a Wall Street banker. So it, it's interesting this because I see the Batmobile here on yeah. the, on the uh, link you've given me, and now we had that, but we had that model of Batmobile from the sixties TV show yeah. in Britain, but it was a Corgi toy, and it it was much better than this one. Oh, this really. was ter- it was terrible. This yeah. was the cheapest plastic, and it's funny because you could put Batman in it, but it, at that point, because Batman's so big and the car is so much smaller, it'd it'd be like Batman driving a go kart. Yeah, that, well, it I think we're coming to, to that. We're coming to that in a lot of in some of the latest things. Scale was often a problem with these toys. Yeah, but yeah, the Corgi Batmobile um, was it was it was a toy everybody in every kid in Britain wanted. I, I wanted one for ages, uh, and this was like a real metal diecast thing. Yeah, the good um, ones. Yeah, we had, had those t- too, but it yeah. wasn't made by Corgi, probably. But yeah, you know, the, the, um, I got this one because it, it was part of the whole Batman thing. Exactly, I don't think it came yeah. with it, but I think that's yeah, yeah. It was a matching, a matching yeah. play thing. The Corgi <coughs> one was cool. It had um, missiles that fired out of the exhaust at the back. Uh, it had a little. For some reason, it had this little blade at the front that would come out, and <laughs> I guess the idea was that Batman would drive through a log and it would cut through the log. Um, it was kind of weird, but unless it was, uh, it was Ben Affleck Batman and the Snyderverse, and it would just cut through people. <laughs> yeah, I think, inarguably, so, yeah. this is the coolest looking Batmobile of all time. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's definitely they, the the one from the first um, Tim Burton Batman. That was Batman that's movie. the second one. Was pretty good, especially yep. with that whole shield thing. Yep. Um, it was really, really kind of cool. Um, but after then, they just got worse and worse and worse. Well, they um, almost—it's almost like they try to militarize the the vehicles, and that's well, well, not, they, yeah, you know the the 
but the the one from the Dark Knight that it was just bad. And I, I can't I, even I'm, remember the one in the Snyderverse, other than it was a Batmobile. It was so unremarkable, and it, and it had it had machine guns on it. Yeah, I mean, you well, remember the machine guns yes. more than the uh, than the, the car the missiles, itself. Yeah, yeah, than the car itself. I th- I think the um, the thing was. I mean, the comics, the Batmobile wasn't really a thing. It wasn't really uh, a mm-hmm. big deal. It was the TV show that did that. Um, and everyone then feels like they have to have an icon- iconic Batmobile. Like, the the issue for me is always that, you know, Batman's kind of a stealth uh, character. Right. And for him to drive around Gotham in the world's largest, most ostensible, loudest car going, just kind of, to me, never really fit with a character. No, well, like- it did in the first one, where this place that came from Batman was not in the shadows. He's in a, yeah. you know, yeah. everybody was brightly clad and, you know, he's at, you know, the police headquarters meeting with the police and. Yeah. Parking outside every day. Yeah. And, yeah. And you, yeah. I mean, you, this with the 60s show, you always think, and if any of those villains had just got their act together and got a sniper, then Batman would have been gone. <laughs> I, I never understood, even as a kid, you remember. They would have one of the gimmicks of that show was they're climbing up the side of the building and a popular star pops his head out. That's right, right yeah. Why didn't they just take the elevator? Because <laughs> then they couldn't speak to the popular star putting their head out. Yeah, but it was stupid to me. I thought, why, well, uh, why are they yeah. climbing up the side of the building? Everyone knows it's Batman and Robin. They could run the, up the stairs for Christ's sake. Yeah. In fact, I think um, didn't one of the Spider-Man movies, the early Spider-Man movies, have a joke? Have a joke about him being stuck in the elevator? Was it Spider-Man Three? I don't remember. Well, he lost it. I think he cared because Spider-Man Three, he he kind of loses his confidence, loses his powers, has to take the elevator down, and uh, somebody's asking him about whether the costume chafe is. Oh yes, I remember yeah. that. I think that might have been Spider-Man Two. No, maybe it was Three. No, it I think was it was Toby Maguire. Yeah, because to- Three is the one where for no good reason whatsoever he loses his confidence and his powers um, and then he then he, and then he becomes gets a back again. hipster doofus at one point yeah that's right yeah one of the worst scenes in any movie in the history of the world yeah um yeah so i this was one of my favorite toys of all time i n- i never bought it as an adult um i've considered it a few times it took me a while to find it because i didn't know Mego or any stuff like that i just remember it was a bat cave and looking at the photos, it's way chintzier than I remember it being. It, I, as a kid, this thing was formidable. You know, it was awesome. Yeah. Now I look at it, I'm like, it looked like a piece of crap. Um, now, do you know what? Do you know what happened to yours? Apart no, from being no paid idea. The dog? No, I don't remember any. There's only one toy on this entire list that I know what happened to it. Right. So that was my first one. It was the Bat Cave, the Mego collection. Um, I loved it. It was. Uh, it was amazing, you know. A lot of memories of that toy. What cool. was yours? Give me one of so, yours. So my first one is um, from a company called Airfix, who used to make um, plane models. So I don't know quite how they acquired this, um, but they had this toy. It was called Super Flight Deck. And um, I'm, I'm looking this... at the photos that you sent, and I would have freaking killed for this toy. Yeah, it was... It, don't get me wrong. This was something I wasn't overly familiar with until until I was given it. To, I think I'd seen the ad a couple of times. It wasn't very heavily promoted, but it was absolutely awesome. Because what it was was a it was like a real toy simulator of a fighter jet landing on a on an aircraft carrier. So what you would do is you had this thing that was a pretty reasonable kind of toy recreation of an aircraft carrier. It had. Um, it had kind of a, this area at the front. It had an arrestor hook. You had um, a control stick that kind of looked like a real aircraft control stick with cardboard dials and stuff like that. And this thing was powered by a rubber band that went underneath it. Uh, and it had a catapult in the flight deck. So what you would do is you would take the yellow plane that was like a phantom jet and you would put it uh, using a pin into the um, catapult that you'd pulled back. Right, and then what would happen is coming up from the joystick, you had a a, a, a set of, of nylon fishing line that you would then attach to something high up in your room, or even best if you did it outside. I, I remember I once did it in the garden, and I attached the top of it to the the top of the line to high up on the garage door, um, and I had a really long run. It was excellent. And then what you do is you'd fire the catapult. 
the plane would shoot off the front of the aircraft carrier and it would it was hooked onto this nylon line it would go flying up the nylon line and then it had a mechanism so that when it when the uh when its momentum dropped it would rotate on a, on the hook that was hooking it to the line and turn around and fly back down again and then when it was flying back down you would adjust your joystick to try and get it to land on the carrier and so that the arrestor hook underneath would catch the catch the string and would kind of stop the plane and and 95 percent of the time you you couldn't do it how, <laughs> it how long really was real. how long was the line oh it, it went at least 30 feet if you uh if wow. you if you could get it out that way it went a long way maybe maybe less than that i'm i'm probably using kid dimensions there but it was a long way it wasn't this it, it would take at least three four seconds to get up to the top of the line and then the same coming back down it was it was a long way if you had enough room um and and it, it, yeah it was completely and utterly awesome because frankly you didn't care if it <laughs> if it didn't if you didn't do the the game part which was land it on the arrestor hook right because the thing is you were sending in a jet a jet plane up into the sky how often uh, did you and- play with it as intended and not just play with it as holding the plane and landing on the deck uh, and- I, I i no i always set it up to use it as it was intended i never took took things apart and kind of flew around with them myself i you know if i was i was that sort of kid if i got a toy out i would get that toy out and i would set it up the way it was meant to be set up and then i would use it um and uh you know it, it's it's one of those things you couldn't use that often because it takes it took a bit of setup and it took a lot of space up so it's it's not the sort of thing you would you would necessarily play with every couple of days but every few weeks you know you get it out if you had some time particularly during the holidays um well, you there looks to do like there was two toy. of them there was flight deck and super flight deck yeah so flight deck was the original one and then the super flight deck was the one i had that they improved so i don't know what what the difference was between the old one um the boxes are different that's for sure yeah it had a blue jet the the one you got looks way cooler though yeah it was it was really cool and and i'm pretty sure my mom might still have this Did, was it was the flight deck itself kind of uh yeah it looks like it was plastic so it was, pla- it was you, plastic you think your it mom was solid, still has you know? this i think she still has it yeah i can't believe um, you would not have picked that up by now well, the problem is I have no space. She always had a lot of space, so she tended to hold on to a lot of the toys that we we haven't yeah. got. You know, so um, yeah, she's uh, she's um, probably got a few things. Well, uh, at least one or two of things on this list, I reckon. So my next one is actually two toys. It was the same year I've got them, so they kind of go hand in hand. The first was I got the Shogun Warrior Godzilla which is probably when you're I don't know, nine, ten years old, however old I was when I got this, was probably one of the coolest toys ever. It was, it was Godzilla, and he shoots yeah. flames, which was a rubber or a little kind of a vinyl tongue thing that stuck out that had flames painted on it. But he could shoot his fist. I, I never <laughs> understood why Godzilla would have a shooting fist other than shogun warriors and they had cool stuff so why not godzilla um but i had an original and i love this toy it was so amazing the problem was it was so much bigger than like my star Wars figures you know yeah it, it was huge and yeah but then but then godzilla is huge well that was true yeah he was a but i needed something to play with with godzilla you know what i mean yeah, I mean, as cool as it was, and it was 20 inches tall. I mean, that's pretty big for a toy. Um, <clears throat> my parents, you know, now they're infinite wisdom. Probably my mom, to be honest. Uh, she decided that if I had Godzilla, I would have to have something to go with it. Right. And she got me the Hornetroid. Hornetroid and it was part of uh, Micronauts. And um, it was kind of this Hornet-looking robot plane thing that I did talk about on Tech Fan years ago. Yeah. And that I actually bought it. I bought one. Um, and it, I will say it's still one of the coolest toys I've ever seen. Uh, the problem was I had to put it together. And when you're an impatient kid wanting to fight Godzilla, that didn't work too well. But what did work well is it played well with my Star Wars figures. You can open up the cockpit and the Star Wars figures would kind of fit inside. You had to kind of 
turn them a little bit. So it became, a, uh, I think, a rubble ship over time. Right. But it, it shot missiles, and the, the wings you could flap, and the jaws in the front would open and close, and you can carry Darth Vader away. I mean, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I loved I've, I've, it. So, so both of these kind of look Japanese. Yeah. Fair. Um, I've never, I've never heard of either of these. Well, I've you've heard, heard of, of the Hornet Warriors. Troid before because we actually did talk about it once. No, no, yeah, but I, I, what I'm saying is, is <clears throat> as a kid, is, as a kid, these were things I had no knowledge existed. I don't think they even sold them over here. I mean, that, that's one of the big differences between then and now is that thanks to globalization now pretty much any toy line you can get in the uk you can get in the us yeah uh, and vice versa whereas back then they were completely different and separate markets and you know there was a lot of stuff we had here that you guys never saw and vice versa yeah and i think i'll be honest with you i think it was the 70s that toy companies really came to prominent prominence i think it was I think toys got way better, more complex, and more of them than any time in history before that. That yeah. the buying power of parents and kids with an allowance was such that you had truly big companies that solely focused on toys. You know what I mean? Because yeah. if you look at toys from the 50s and the 40s and even the 60s, there wasn't a whole lot of variety you know yeah it you know a toy aisle would be two or three broken up between age groups and the sexes boys girls infants toddlers you know in the 70s and in definitely going into the 80s the toy sections in big stores got bigger and bigger and bigger uh i think they're getting smaller now to be honest um but there was a time there that toys were just it, it was huge and when this Godzilla and this Hornet, Hornetroid, I don't know how to say it, um, came out was kind of when everything was kind of going in, you know, we're going to bring in toys from other countries to America's market. And look, they're selling. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, you just didn't I'd have also, that before. Yeah. Globalism well, well. hit the U.S. way before most countries. Yeah, but I, I think these toys kind of illustrate what happened, which is uh, all of a sudden toy companies got smart they start to license properties yes rather than coming up their own because they realized that you know the rise of uh, i mean it was the the kenner toys from the late 70s the star wars toys that really kind of turned that on because it all did. of a sudden all of a sudden the toy companies realized that licensed properties were big business um and yeah, uh, it I think was definitely this, the star wars line that kick-started everything yeah uh, and that's that's when the toy stores got bigger because there was just so much more stuff um, often you would find that, you know, one one kind of idea for a toy would be spread across multiple lines. <laughs> the, the, the kind of the uh, projectile fist that your Godzilla here had um, looks to me like it was invented for something else. And then they decided Adapted. to mold it into Godzilla. Yeah. yeah. Because, um, you know, why? Yeah, it doesn't really make sense for the character at all. Well, when this flame came tongue, because, was pretty stupid. Um, yeah. You got to remember Shogun Warriors was huge. Well, maybe it wasn't where you came to no, Florida no. enough as a kid that you probably knew who Shogun Warriors uh, were. Don't I don't well if I did I don't remember it so um, I'm not familiar. The Shogun Warriors were a toy line. I don't know if it was a cartoon or not. My my memory says it wasn't, but maybe it was. But I just remember seeing these huge robot-looking things in the toy aisle. And at first, it, that's all it was. It was these robot things. So I think what they wanted to do was expand it so there would be something familiar. And in the 70s and early 80s, what was really popular was reruns on Saturday mornings of the old Godzilla TV, uh, movies from Japan that yeah. was overdubbed. They were hugely popular. And, and there was no Godzilla toys, period. So I think my guess is they probably licensed the Godzilla to include in this toy line to help sell, sell the whole toy line. Of course, according to Wikipedia, basically these were all Japanese toys based on cartoons and shows from there, and um, Mattel imported them and kind of put them together in their own, under their own branding, and that's how it came around. But how, did, uh, how and, the hell and, did Godzilla get in there? 
Well, because they they licensed because um, they were licensing from the uh, Japanese TV and movie companies. They also licensed a couple of characters from Toho who made Godzilla, which was Godzilla and Ro- Rodan were the two ones they licensed and added to the line. There was so, a Rodan. Uh, there was a Rodan, apparently. Yeah. Wow, I would like to have seen that one. Yeah, I've never seen it. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. It it was. <sighs> It was one of those toys that it seemed like everybody got one, but the the little thing on the back of his head to make the tongue stick out would break. Yeah. You'd, you'd lose the fist or the tail all the time. I, I lost my tail two or three times, and it, it was months between I you know when I lost it and I found it again. Um, but I, I loved that toy. It was great. What's your next one? So my next one will be... Um, so... Growing up, I was really into, uh, even then, was really into geeky stuff. And you know, in the in the, in the late seventies, before the computer microcomputer revolution happened, uh, and we all started playing with consoles and everything, uh, electronic games was the, was like the big thing. They were expensive toys, but they were really cool. Uh, and I had one that um, called Merlin. I had a Merlin which, as well. Yeah, Merlin was awesome. Um, you know, they and, kept making uh, that thing well into the 90s. I, I think you can still buy them now. I think they've they've got keychain versions. Of yeah, they're, I was going to say they have miniature yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the cool thing about Merlin was that it, it, had, um, it, it had a rudimentary touch interface. It almost um, looked like a phone. Yeah. It was red, a bright red. red. Yeah. And it had all these buttons in the middle. It had a speaker at the top and these other four buttons on the bottom. Yeah. But the cool thing about Merlin was it played more than one game. So you, there, it had um, it had six different puzzle games on it. You had um, Noughts and Crosses, Tic Tac Toe. You had a thing where you could do um, play music on it. Um, it had a game that was like a bit like Simon, where you had to repeat the uh, the patterns and the noises. There was blackjack on there. There was a magic square that was like a bit li- bit like lights out. It was like one of those things where you, when you press a button, everything changes and you have to get to a certain pattern. And then there was a, a game that was a bit like Mastermind. You had to solve a puzzle. Um, it was really kind of cool. And um, it had a very distinct set of noises that you, you rapidly became extremely familiar with. Um, but the thing was, because you could play different games at once, it was something you could come back to again and again and again. You'd pick it up and you'd, you'd basically work you through through all the games and have fun by after a year or two you kind of learned how to beat most of the games pretty consistently um but it was always it was still fun to play with and um you know it was electronic so uh it was that made it kind of cool anyway so even if you were um even if you were kind of really familiar with the games and um and uh kind of knew what what everything did you would still pick it up and play around with it because it was electronic and that made it cool um, and uh, yeah, I I played the heck out of the thing. Now I my this is one of the things my mum gave me gave back to me probably about ten years ago now, and the plastic on it had really degraded. Yeah. So the uh, the it took a lot of it took six AA batteries, which was quite an investment back then. Yeah. Um and um, so it had a really big piece of plastic on the back, and I remember that when I tried to put batteries in it to see if it still worked, which it probably didn't. The um the kind of the back just kind of fell apart. So um, it had to go, unfortunately. Hey, but, here's um, a commercial from 78. TV had sucked back then. That's so bad. It was so they were so patronizing. It really was. <laughs> it really was, yeah. Now, the game that came after this was even better. It was called Split Second. And I think my brother had Split Second, and that was even better. I had a full uh, LCD screen. You could do all sorts of stuff with it. It was really, really cool. That one was I kind don't of in- remember, but Merlin kind of that was a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I've kind of I, 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 I've been looking on eBay to get a Merlin for the last few years, but 
but I have a self-imposed budget on how much I want to spend for one of these. Yeah. And I don't want a reproduction. I don't want one that looks exactly the same that was made in the 90s. I want a 1978 Merlin. And I actually came across uh, a post maybe a year ago, and it had two brand new in the box. And I went up to, and I, for something like that, I was like, you know what? I'm going to increase my budget. I'll go up to a hundred bucks. It went right. to, it went for over $500 for the two of them. Wow. I was like, all right, I've got fond memories of it, but not that fond. Yeah. But they, they're not cheap. Let me see. Uh, I'm going to go to eBay and see how much these are. So Merlin game, 1978. So let's see if they've... Uh, They'll increase in value after we've talked yeah, about it. There's one here in the UK with the full box. Look, the box, the box looks um, incredible condition. Apparently, this is 1979, so it's an original one, and that's going for 300 pound by now. Wow, I see one here that the box looks pretty decent, and it says 45 dollars or best offer with original box and manual. Um, it's not sealed, and it looks like it's in pretty good shape though. I mean, it's got the Parker Brothers box, electronic fund from Parker Brothers. It looks like it's in really good shape. Yeah. Let me see the back because you're always missing the battery. No, it's got the battery cover and everything. Yeah. Yeah. That was to say that battery cover just falls apart. But yeah, um, yeah it does look like um, I'm seeing something that looked like they've had the uh, touchscreen replaced. Yeah. Um, and uh, it does look like finding one that works is 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 not easy which is the often the case with yeah not working not working parts only not working the ones that say untested they were tested they're not working that that's a, yeah. a ebay tip of the day folks yeah. if it says <laughs> not tested it was totally mean, tested and it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah there's no ambiguity there it doesn't work it's busted <laughs> in fact it's probably more busted than they, they said tested and not working yes yeah i i remember simon when it came out and simon i thought was a it was very colorful but i always thought simon was lame compared to merlin merlin was just awesome well yeah because it had the multiple games that was the thing you yeah. know it was more than i mean the variety uh, just the shape of it the feel of it the noises it made yeah and it was as i said it was touchscreen which was also kind of cool 1978 um, Merlin Parker Brothers game. Lot of two read description. If you see read description, they don't work. It's broken. It's busted. But the first one I told you for 48 bucks plus 10 bucks for shipping. Vintage 1978 Merlin handheld electronic tested and works. So that's not a bad price, actually. Yeah. I'm yeah. not buying it, but. No. <laughs> <laughs> I got fond memories, but looking at the pictures is good enough for me. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, well, that's especially fine. nowadays. Nowadays we have YouTube, so you can actually watch somebody play it. And yes, that, that also kind of I can see the yeah, yeah. I can see the pair. That's here. as far as my Perfect. nostalgia for Merlin is going to go. Yeah, but it did provide us with a good um, eBay tip of the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my next one, maybe you had this too. Uh, when Star Wars came out in 1978, or 1977, um, they didn't have the toys ready right away. Yeah. But they did come out, and in 1978, that Christmas, by far, and you got to remember, Star Wars wasn't in the theaters at that point. It would return every now and then. But the yeah. toy craze for Star Wars is really quite amazing when you think about this was a movie that came out in the summer of 1977 so a year and a half later there was still such demand for star wars stuff that they came out with the millennium falcon and the action figures and it just got bigger they came out with the x-wing you know the tie fighter those are the the uh land speeder i had the land speeder too right. um which was kind of lame although i did see a youtube thing this guy built a land crew a land speeder from star wars but, well a real one yeah well it's got it's up on top of a car but he kind of made yeah. it so you don't see the tires uh -huh. and it, he made it so it makes the sound effects of the thing going by it was pretty awesome yeah. um i'm waiting for someone to build a real millennium falcon that flies but i got the millennium falcon for christmas that year 
and oh my god, it's one of the greatest toys I've ever owned. It's so just, this is this is the full size one that actually was yep. sized to to be used with the matching action figures. Correct. Um, yeah. Looking at the movie and looking at the this Falcon, you think, well, it's one to one. No, it's not really one to one. It's more really, like no. you know ten to one, if that. Uh, yeah. But you could have two people in the cockpit. You can have people in the back. The radar dish would spin. The the uh, landing gear would come down. The ramp would open. You slid off where it had those, th- you know, the the back of it. That would slide off so you can get to it. It had a turret gun. It was an and it made some sound effects which didn't sound anything like the Millennium Falcon and was quite lame. And it took a couple of like C or D batteries. Um, yeah. But golly, this thing was amazing. I got this in the Droid Factory at the same time that Christmas, mm-hmm. and. Um, Man, it was just so cool. That that Millennium Falcon. Now, and I think I've told the story before. There was a kid across the street named Kenny. He didn't live there full-time. His dad lived there, so he spent a lot of especially summers there. And Kenny was spoiled, rotten little shithead. And he had everything. He had, at the time, an at-at. He had, you know, a couple years later in 81, he got the at-at. But he had all the action figures and multiple stormtroopers, and I hated him. But what he didn't have... He didn't have the Millennium Falcon, but he did have an X-Wing and a TIE Fighter, and he tried to trade me both the X-Wing and the TIE Fighter for the Falcon, and I came close to doing it because I was like, I'm going to get two ships instead of one, Yeah. but I couldn't get rid of the Falcon. I mean, it was just such an iconic ship. I mean, there was nothing else like it, you know? No, that was the sort of deal that if your parents found out you did it, they would kill you. Oh, yeah, because, you know, at the time, whatever that, this thing cost at the time was a lot of money for my parents. My parents never yeah. had a lot of money. Yeah, and but not only that, it was a case of, of you know, well, we bought you that toy. <laughs> You've got to give it to some other kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so you probably, you probably lucked out there. Well, I remember, and I'm looking at it now, you know, this, this page that I've got, and it was the original retail was only 30 bucks, and it did take two C cell batteries. Well, you um, say only 30 bucks. That was a lot of money in 1979. Yeah, in, in 1979, 30 bucks would be like $110 today. Yeah. And once I knew the, the secret about Santa, and I could pick presents ahead of time, there yeah. was always, you can get one big one for 100 bucks, no more, and then we'll find other little things to go along with it. But you get one big present. Yeah. They kind of did that for me with the Falcon. But I remember having to put it together. Because it was in pieces, pretty much. Yep. And that's the problem about trying to get an original Millennium Falcon. You can't get one with all the parts without it costing $1,000. Yep. Yep. Did you ever have a Falcon? I, no, well, no, so I didn't. I'm going to go on to my next pick because it, it completely hooks in. Because... While we were very much aware of of the Star Wars toys things, we just I don't know why, but we just didn't get any of them. Um, I think the only Star Wars action figure I ever got was a C three PO, which I asked for specifically because it was my favourite character from Star Wars, um, and it, I remember it took ages to find one. Yeah. Um, so uh, so yeah, we didn't have um, some of my friends at school had. I, I remember one kid had the X wing, and he occasionally brought it into school. Um, which was not easy to do with these toys. They were big. Right. But, but while, while we loved Star Wars, we didn't have a lot of the toys. Well, we didn't have pretty much any of the toys. So the reason that, that one of the reasons for that is that I was really big into Lego and not the Lego you have nowadays where you get a kit that's meant to build a particular character or um, figure or ship or something like that. I just had loads of generic rectangular uh, different shapes and sizes of lego um and i built my own stuff out of that and one of the reasons i never felt the uh the need to have a millennium falcon like this is i had a millennium falcon i built it myself every week and uh i would put it together it was small but i could play star wars with it i could build myself an x-wing or a tie fighter if i wanted to and you know, not to toot my own trumpet too much, but with lim- fairly limited Lego resources, I was always really pleased with the results. Um, I always felt they were um, they were good enough for me to play with. Now, I, I'm pretty sure, especially that, um, you know, this is before the internet and YouTube, I'm pretty sure when I was building my Millennium Falcon, 
I only had a rough idea of what it looked like in real life. Right. For a start, well, most of my Lego was was um, dark blue. So everything I built tended to be dark blue. I had some yellow on it and that was about it. But that didn't really bother me. But I'm pretty sure that I I only dimly remembered. I, I knew that obviously they had a cockpit, but I didn't really remember that it was on the side. So I think I tended to build mine with the cockpit in the middle between the two prongs. Uh, and, uh, but, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a saucer shape, shape. Shape, uh, shaped, sh- shaped ship, can't say that, with with the two prongs on the front and a cockpit. Uh, and uh, I would be able to put landing gear on when I wanted it to land, take them off when it took off. And it had the, you know, the iconic white stripe at the back for the engines. Um, and that was good enough for me to play Star Wars. And the advantage, compared to your one, of... Um, of my ships is while I couldn't put figures in them, I could crash them all I wanted. So my space battles were far more exciting than, uh, than anything you do with the Kenner toys because my space battles bits got blown off ships and ships <laughs> crashed. Yeah. And Han Solo and Chewbacca w- might have to spend half an afternoon when their ship literally was burst into pieces upon crashing rebuilding it on the planet before they were able to escape and that was always very exciting to me so um you know good on good on lego for back then having generic lego and not being all into the sets because i always think that you know as intricate as the uh, as the sets are we just bought um alexander for for uh, for the holidays, the Baby Yoda set from yep. um, Lego. From yeah, uh, and he he spent a good. It was quite complicated for him to put together. He spent um, you know a good few nights putting it together, and now it's pride of place on his desk, and he really enjoys it. But to me, there's something lacking about not being able to have a generic set and build anything out of your imagination just using Lego. Well, you still can. It's just he's an adult now. <laughs> Yeah. We actually did find a generic Lego set we, we bought for Charlotte for, for this year, um, but she's not even there yet. So the last thing on my list, uh, I got an 82. Yeah. Um, I remember I was in elementary school. And like all my things, I have a little story to tell with this one. Yeah. So this is the Coleco Donkey Kong. It was a tabletop little mini arcade. LED. Uh, I wanted Pac-Man. Or Donkey Kong. But I thought Donkey Kong was more of a complex game that I sucked at in the arcade. That if I had the tabletop version, I would get better with the one in the arcade. It didn't didn't yeah. work out that way. But um, but I, I wanted it really, really bad. And Donkey Kong, I think, actually I think Donkey Kong was my first choice and Pac-Man was my second. So my mom was a stay-at-home mom. And... It was the week before we got off from for Christmas in school. And Mark Thornton and I skipped school for lunch. Because right. my house was literally right across the street from this big park. You could see, and from our classroom, you could see our house. Right. And Mark had observed my mom leaving. So at lunch, we snuck across the park to my house. We skipped school. We got back before lunch was over because, you know, you have recess. Mm-hmm. Recess was yeah. like a half hour, 45 minutes. Um, if we walked it, it would take two minutes to get to my house. But the way we had to sneak in the tree line and all that, it took like 10 minutes. At the time, my parents would put one or two presents under the tree that I could shake. Right. And try to guess. That was a big thing. And there was a package underneath there that I was convinced was a tabletop ColecoVision game. So Mark and I decided we were going to sneak into my house and peek at the present because my mom wasn't there. (laughs) And you got to remember, this is the 70s. People didn't lock their doors. We could just walk right in. So I I found a knife and I slid it very slightly and I peeked in. But when I did, the box slipped and I ripped the wrapping paper. Uh-oh. It was also known that if you did something like this, you would not get that present. My parents would take it away and return it. Right. And sure enough, it was the Donkey Kong. And I was in a panic because mm-hmm. they're going to see this. So when I got home from school that day, I wanted I asked if I could shake my presents. Unbeknownst to my mother, 
when she wasn't looking, I poured a little water on the present itself. Mm -hmm. We had real Christmas trees back then. My dad would water them all the time. And he would often, if not every single time, spill (laughs) water all over the freaking place as he's trying to reach underneath the tree to put water in there. Yeah. So as I set up the sabotage to cover my criminal act, I pretended that the package ripped because it was wet. Yeah. And my mom could see it was wet. And I looked at her immediately. I said, I didn't look, but the package just just ripped because it's wet. So she snatched it away from me to go dry it out and rewrap it again. And um, crisis was averted. I I Mm. was a successful criminal. Yes, your long criminal career started right then. Right then. That's when it started. (laughs) And Mark was even, Mark Thornton was even worried for me. He remembers this to this day because one of the things that would happen on Christmas, uh, Mark was uh, an only child like me, but he didn't have a dad in his house. So it was just, you know, single mom and she would never wake up early for Christmas. Never. So I would call Mark and I was, when it came to Christmas, if I slept the night before, uh, I would wake up very early and beg my parents to get out of bed so we can start Christmas because I just wanted presents so bad. Yeah. And I would call Mark at 7 o'clock in the morning where my presents are all wrapped and he's awake staring, you know, and he lived on the same street as I did but across the, the park from where I lived on the right. other side of the school. So realistically, like two and a half blocks away. And I would tell Mark everything I got. And three hours later, when his lazy ass mom would finally get out of bed, he'd call me back and tell me everything he got. And we'd get together, you know, during Christmas break and play with our toys together and all that. So he knew, and he was excited that I was getting Donkey Kong because he knew he was going to get to play it too. So he was really worried for me. Oh my God, they're going to take that thing away. You're not going to get one. I'm not going to be able to play it either. This sucks. Yeah. So I called him and I told him, oh, I got Donkey Kong and. He, to this day, he remembers it. He still remembers yeah. that. And um, and I said at the beginning of the show, there's one present I know what happened to it. I know what happened to my Donkey Kong. It's sitting on a shelf in front of me right now at the very top. <laughs> you still got it. I still got it. And my parents were smart enough that they bought, because you had to use four C-sized batteries. That was quite expensive, and it would eat up batteries. Yeah. They bought me these fake batteries that you plugged into the wall that would go in. Is, is They look like batteries, but they were plastic. All oh, right. And, and you plug a, it in. They had a cable on and yep. you plug it in the wall. That's yes. clever. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, it's, I still have the, that as well as the Donkey Kong. So the, these things didn't come with, uh, didn't uh, support an AC adapter? No, they did no. not. So, you had to buy this kit, which was like five so now, bucks. Yeah. Nowadays, if you get stuff with C-cell or D-cell batteries in, you can get like a plastic adapter that lets you put double A in there because modern double A's have enough power that they can power this stuff. Right. Um, and so you can just get an adapter that fits in the physical space so you can shut the uh, shut the battery thing. What's cool, there's a couple of things I love about this. First of all, because they've modelled it, they've made it look like a little arcade machine, like a little arcade box. You've got the uh, marquee, you've got the headlight, you've got the graphics on the side, you've got the surround on the screen, and then you've got a control area at the front. Even though it's obviously it's not really an arcade, it kind of looked like an arcade game, and that, I think that was really clever. Yep. Um, this, the other thing I love about it is, even though, yeah, this doesn't have like a full bitmap display like you would get on a computer nowadays. You couldn't do that back then. So they use this technology. It's not LED. It's called the VFD, yes, Vacuum Fluorescent Display. Yeah, yeah. Very distinctive, much brighter than LEDs of the time could do, which is why they used it. Um, and, um, yeah, whenever I see a VFD display, it always makes me go all nostalgic because so many of the electronic games we played with at that time used that type of technology. And it, because it could do multiple colours and it was pretty bright, I always thought it looked really cool. Um, but, yeah, you're right. This The, the play field they've got here does not really look terribly close to the arcade Donkey Kong at all. No. But people... See, people don't remember... Who weren't there don't remember, but actually... Donkey Kong was the one where everybody became obsessed with having like an arcade perfect conversion at home. They did. Even yep. more so than Pac-Man. Yep. Um, in Donkey Kong, and then when the ColecoVision came out, you know, one of its selling points, it came with Donkey Kong in the box 
and it was the most arcade accurate version on a home console ever made. Absolutely. It wasn't, it wasn't really, but it was a hell of a lot better than the Well, than at the time, set, yeah. that's the only reason you wanted a ColecoVision because Donkey Kong looked like Donkey Kong in the arcade. It yeah. really did. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. But the one wasn't. on Atari sucked, so. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Given the limitations of the 2600, I always thought the 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 Donkey Kong the 2600 was kind of impressive but um it didn't look anything like the arcade because it just didn't have the graphics capability so they had come out with quite a few of these there was a Frogger there was a Pac-Man there was a Donkey Kong I loved them all I wanted them um it was Frogger Donkey Kong Galaxian I wanted Galaxian so bad Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man see what and what this reminds me of is obviously you can get the um those modern things from walmart the arcade one up which are the kind of tiny consoles they're they're terrible and also you can get the quarter arcades which are um probably closer to this they're uh, literally an arcade cabinet in a quarter size um they're those are pretty cheap actually but all with thanks to emulation they all play the original games now um i actually on my um it's not i i don't know if it's on my gaming pc it might be um, I have all of these games emulated, and they look well, the, exactly the, the same. The VFD versions. Yeah, with the, uh, yeah. yeah. I've yeah, got like get, 50 of them on there. Yeah, you can get the uh, Game & Watch games from Nintendo on the, in an emulator like that as These well. are very popular with 3D printers now, um, and mm-hmm. there's places you can get you know, a reproduction like this so you can use it with you know, a, Raspberry, a Pi. Raspberry Pi or, you know. Yeah. Um, in a way better screen and in the form factor is a hundred percent accurate because they just scan these in and, um, but I have a Pac-Man now I bought one years ago and I have the Donkey Kong and my intention always was to get all five Frogger, Donkey Kong, Galaxian, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man and have them on a mm-hmm. shelf all together. And of course my Donkey Kong would be the most important because it is it was mine it was it's yeah that's my original present when i found out years and years ago i was at my parents house they had had something happen in the basement and i was helping them clean it out and there was an old metal cabinet down there and it was up on the wall protected and it hadn't been opened in years and they were getting stuff out of the basement and i said do you want this old metal cabinet up here my dad said um I think it's empty. We haven't used it in 20 years or whatever. So I pulled it off the wall, or I went to, and I noticed it made a rattling sound. And when I opened it up, there was my Donkey Kong and the fake battery thing. Everything. It was all together still. And I couldn't believe it, and I immediately plugged it in, and it fired right up and worked. And it's wow. the stickers are still perfect on it for the most part. It looks great. There's no fading. It actually works. I I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I'm saying you use one here on eBay. It's in Europe, and that's going for 250 euro. Yeah, they're expensive. The the original ones are still they they've retained their value big time, and they've gone up. Yeah, obviously big time. Um, so while I can afford to jump on eBay today and buy all the other three that I'm missing, I don't want to spend that much money for these things. It's not that important. Yeah. Yeah. And if I had the room, maybe I would still do it and build a little dedicated, you know, like a shelf that kind of angled down a little bit and put them on there. And that'd be kind of cool. But I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I sometimes I think I'm still going to do it. And who knows? Maybe I will. But it's the Donkey Kong was the one that always meant the most. I got that as a kid. I had a naughty story to go with it. And I still have it, you know. Uh, your last one, and that was my last one, but your last one was something I also had. Okay, cool. Well, again, this is this is definitely one where you couldn't initially buy it in the UK, uh, and this was purchased for me for as a present in the US. I was wondering um, how you got this because I wouldn't figure yeah. this would be in the UK. Yeah. So, and, and I've got to be honest, this is one of the ones where you had no, no idea what it was. And when you opened it, you think, oh, this looks really good. And then you use it and you think, oh my God, this is amazing. It, I love 100%. this toy. Uh, I'm with you hundred percent. Yeah. This is, this is the, um, from Mattel, this is, um, Starbird Avenger. Um, they did loads. They, there were several different Starbirds. The one I had was the Starbird Avenger one, which was slightly later. Um, and this was, 
it, it's a space. It's, it's a spaceship, um, but it's a really cool looking spaceship. It has an arrow shape of, where the cockpit is, a straight neck, yeah. and then kind of a, a two wings oh. with a big ass thruster in the back. Exactly. Yeah. And kind of an R two D two looking dome thing sticking up. Exactly. The the there was two things that were really cool about the Avenger. First of all, was that the uh, the underneath the cockpit there was an electronic unit that actually had a mercury switch in it. So you'd turn it on and the engines would fire up. Yep. And then as you picked up, if you tilted it backwards, the engine noise would, would uh, build up as if it was climbing. And if you tilted it forward, it would do the reverse, like you were, like you were coming into land. And then it had um, a button on the back of the cockpit that had lasers that would fire LED lasers at the front. Now, the version I had actually had some sort of infrared gimmick in it. And I think the idea was if you had another one or um, somebody who... They, they did a small version, which was just the head on its own, like as a fighter. Um, and the idea was you would, you would shoot at each other. And if the infrared detected the LEDs from the other one, the engines would kind of um, cut out as if it had been hit. And, uh, and they, would, they would fade and they would fade in and out for a bit and then come back. Uh, and that was really cool. And I could, I could do that myself by... <laughs> there it is. Yeah, that was so awesome. Oh my god, that was so yeah. awesome. Yeah, and I think he's going to tip it down now so you can hear it because it would go up pretty high. Yeah. Good lord. It's, it's one of, one of those toys that parents buy you and then realize they made a mistake because oh, yeah. it's so noisy. It was it was awful. <laughs> so I, I liked yeah. how the front of it came off. Well, that's that's the other thing that I thought was great about this. I thought the attention to detail in this as a toy was amazing because it came to pieces, but the front would come off. You could take the engine out the back and put that on the back of the front, the back of the, the uh, kind of arrow nose cone section, and that made it a separate ship. Yep. And then the um, at the back, the, that um, ball turret you just mentioned before, you could take that out, and that was an escape pod. And then the... Um, the kind of the little tail fins at the on either side of the wings at the back, they would also slide off, and they were tiny little drone fighters. Yep. And and so you could do loads of you could when it came to play, there was loads of different opportunities with this because of all this stuff it did, and then the fact you could put the whole thing together and take off as a complete ship again, it was amazing. Did you really uh, ever have? Because at the same time, this was from uh, was it Milton Bradley? Yeah. Oh right. Uh, yeah. They also at the same year that they came out with this, they also had the big tracks. Yeah, well, the big track was the other thing I always wanted, which was the programmable kind of tank. Yep. Um, but I never had one of those. I got one. So that came out, I'm going to say, 78, 79. Uh, I got the, the Starbird, which to me was, it was as cool as any Star Wars ship, and that's saying oh, something. absolutely. It was in just, fact, I would have loved to have seen this in Star Wars. Oh, it, I thought, it, it was know, such a killer yeah. ship. It just is. Um the only thing I never really liked that it had the Trans Am Starbird on the front of it, and it's right. almost a complete rip off of it too. Um, Smokey and Bandit was a big movie, um, uh-huh. but two years later, eighty one, eighty two or so, I remember going down to the next block over, and they were having a garage sale, and I saw Starbird Avenger, and I was like, "Oh, I've got one, and mine's in better shape." But yeah. they also had the big tracks. Now, there was two big tracks. There was a white one that kind of looked like the Starbird Avenger, but there was a gray one as well, and that was more popular. And I saw the box for the big tracks, and it said um, a dollar. And I had a dollar. And I looked in it, and there was a big tracks in there. Mm-hmm. And so I bought it for a dollar, took it home, opened it up. The battery was corroded. They had left the batteries in there. But everything else was perfect. And I remember spending an entire Saturday afternoon with Q-tips and um, rubbing alcohol and sandpaper and getting all this coro- and, and wearing gloves. I remember the gloves were very heavy um, <laughs> and getting all this corrosion out. And it worked again. I got it working again. And I fought, so I had a big try, but I didn't have the manual. I didn't know how to program. I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. Um, because with the big tracks, there was like this keypad on top of it and you would yeah. like go forward four spaces, stop, take a right, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I figured out the basics, but uh, you know, I remember 
seen the commercials and was doing a lot more things that I could figure out how to do. Uh, I think I think it was another one of those toys that did things in the commercial that couldn't do in real life. Mm, shocker. <laughs> Shocking. Because you could also get a uh, like a, a tractor, like a tipper trailer for it. And yep. it, could t- it could manually tip up so you know, it delivers stuff, dump it on the floor and leave again. Yeah, I remember seeing um, that and I was like, I don't care about the trailer. That looks stupid. I just yeah, wanted exactly. the big tracks because yeah. it, it wasn't, exactly. the big tracks was an awesome looking toy. I would give it up to Milton Bradley Electronics. The their late seventies stuff. They're the ones that did Merlin too, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I think I thought it was Parker Brothers did Merlin. Uh, could be. It's hard. To, I think you're right. It's hard to tell. But the, the I gotta say, the toys and and the electronic stuff for as being as limited as it was back then. Man, that stuff survived. Most of the stuff yeah. is still out there. Still works. Battery covers on the merlin notwithstanding it was they were built to last you know yeah. i'm sure it was all I, covered in lead-based paint that killed you know 10 <laughs> percent of our generation already but so i i know from looking at the starbirds on ebay over the years that um very often all those little bits and pieces get lost along the way mm-hmm. as is often with toys um i still have mine my mum kept it box i always kept mine in the box so i still have all the stuff um i'm not quite sure where it is at the moment but i definitely still have it somewhere um the big track actually i remember about 10 years ago um they kind of did some modern reproductions of it they did the original size one they also did a mini one yeah um and i i'm at the time i meant to pick one up never did must go and looking for those let's um, see what so i bet i i'm gonna bet you i'm gonna look at ebay and see what a big track goes for now Big yeah, I'm, look, I'm looking on here. The original a vintage. Let's see if this one works. A vintage one is not that expensive. I think I spelled it wrong. Fifty. Yeah, it's, it's track with a K, not uh, not with an X. Yeah, there's one in working order here for fifty pounds. Yeah, they're not. I can get one right now. Vintage Milton Bradley with transport. Oh, parts only, which means it doesn't work. Yeah, here's one for parts not working. Um, here's one with no wheels. Yay. Uh, for parts, for parts, a vintage big tracks with original box. 57.49. What, how do you come up with that price? <laughs> Plus $20 shipping and handling. Let's see. Um, the pre-owned toy has not been tested. Yeah. So it doesn't work. I like when they, so yeah, look in here. It looks, looks like about. 35 pounds for the for the reproduction from 2010 version of the big one maybe 25 pounds for the junior one they did in 2010 and for the original one yeah as i'm seeing there's one here working with all the original accessories and instructions for 50 pounds so 50 pounds is a good good. price i think it's there because they i don't think it was that popular in the uk but here man these things are expensive yeah oh i found a white one i never saw a white one in person Oh, this is the junior, so this is the reproduction. That's the reproduction, yeah. Yeah. I would only want an original. Vintage, here's a vintage white one, $150 plus $25 shipping. So $175, you can uh, own a, yeah, that's expensive. Here's here's one new in the box, it's $400. Yeah. So I'm seeing, I'm going back to the Starbird, though. There's one here. It's like an older version. I, of one I, I own had. it. Yeah. 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 Well, I have one too. But but they also had a, going round to your Batman cave. They did a cardboard Starbird command base that you could land it on. Yeah. And it had cave. Uh, now I'm seeing one with that included. Not not that much money, but I'm seeing the cardboard base on its own for thirty pounds. Here's one for twenty dollars, but none of the parts are there. Yeah. Um, and if it doesn't have the little drone wings on it, it just detracts from oh it doesn't look right yeah no it's almost a little bit not really but kind of a sr5 blackbird kind of vibe to it yeah 100 here's one complete 120 dollars free ship free shipping so yeah yeah Yeah, there's one here one here 135 pounds same sort oh here's somebody and they have a cylon raider that goes with it too now, you know what? I do remember seeing the Battlestar Galactica toys very rarely. I, 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 I got think them. I knew somebody who had a Cylon. I had Cylon the Cylon one. one, and the wings would actually pop out a little that, bit. That's right, yeah. I had that, and I had the, um, oh, what was it? The Viper. The Viper. I had both. But they were much smaller than the Star Wars toys. 
So they yeah. just, even though I think they were just as cool looking, they were too small to go with. And for me, everything was about Star Wars. So the the Starbird Avenger was totally with my Star Wars figures. They couldn't go in yeah. it, but that was the ship, you know. Um, the Cylon Raider and and the the Viper they were just too small. I loved them, but I just didn't play with them very often. But this guy is giving out a Starbird Avenger, and it looks like it's freaking complete, dude. It's in the box and everything with the manual and a Cylon Raider. Snoosh Washington. Um, so it has that and this Battlestar Galactica Cylon Raider toys with an S. Man, this looks like it's complete. It's got the little ventricle thing on the back. It's got the wings. Um, it's got the engine. Because remember, the engine came out too. That's right, yeah. It, you could slide that out and it had a sticker on it to make it look like it had a, a cockpit on the top. Uh, Starbird is very clean with working lights and space sound. Note, it does not make the rising, accelerating, lower, decelerating sounds, just constant motor sounds. So you'd have to just oh. re- probably rebuild the engine, which yeah, isn't that difficult. Pro- presumably the mercury switch in there, the tilt switch in there is gone. Yep. Silent is very clean with one working red missile. Missing cockpit dome and pilot. Remember how cool those Cylons looked? Yeah. They, they were much cooler than the... Uh Stormtroopers, the, the right, the, the the no, they they were much cooler than anything else in Battlestar Galactica. You almost kind of wanted them to win, really. Yeah, they were you way know, cool. The, the remember the stoop was it? No, that was was the robot dog in that, or was that? Uh, yeah, the, the robot dog. Yeah, Muffet, Muffet, the robot dog. I was that, I had was that as an action figure, and I would kill it every time. <laughs> it would run in there, and Vader would slice it apart. Well, the original in the original Battlestar Galactica Your TV stupid movie, dog I'm pretty, is no pretty match sure, for the force. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the reason they built the robot dog is because his original dog got smashed by yeah. a falling concrete column. That's right. <laughs> very satisfying. <laughs> so that was our uh, fun toys, electronic and otherwise, as children. You know, we we discussed maybe talking about presents that we got older, but neither one of us went there, which is probably good. Uh, our our favorite toys growing up, lot, uh, almost all of mine are Christmas-based, which is appropriate for this week. Um, we'd love to know what toys you got as a kid that we didn't mention that, you know, was a big deal for you and why. Let us know. The show at techmanpodcast.com. Or you can go to our Facebook page or Twitter page and let us know there as well. Um, yeah, we're talking about toys and we're in our 50s. that's fine yay we're winning at life (laughs) yes um but you know david this was a lot of fun for me i hope it was for you too oh it sure was yeah we'll be back next week um right after the holiday with a tech fan um sure there's some stuff to talk about but i'm completely drawing a blank on it right now yep i guess the only thing to say is to wish all our listeners a happy holidays and uh we'll speak to you on the next show see you then